the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Hello? Is this thing working? Hello? Hello? I'm Rob Black. Welcome in to Rob Black and your money. We're talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Of course, I knew it was working. I'm a professional. Look it up. I'm a broadcaster. <laughs> Keep in mind, Sarah and Vinny consider themselves broadcasters. And I find that funny because she's a dwarf chain smoker. And he's an, uh, how shall we say, driven, driven, uh, egomaniac who has nothing to put it back on. But I'm neither here nor there. I'm right where I'm comfortable at. Um, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. There's some good stories out there today. I know you're saying, um, name one. Okay. Now that you put it that way, maybe there's no good stories out there. How about a budget deal? Can we get a holla for a budget deal? Holla! There's been some weakness on Wall Street recently. And it's kind of almost sideways. It's not glorious up. It's not shamefully down. Dow's down today, 67. SP 500's down 9. The NASDAQ, which for some reason people in media keep calling the NASDAQ. I don't know what's wrong with them, but they don't understand the correct pronunciation. Um, the NASDAQ is down 20. So the S&P 500 yesterday gained less than a point. And it keeps things near a record. The index has rallied 26% this year. The best year on the S&P 500 since 2003. And ultimately since 1998. This is a glorious year. It is a glorious, glorious year. And you look around, and like we don't have in '98 and 2003. 2003, you had a 
a recovery from a, a massive market correction. Those are easy gains. In 98, you had, like, um, really, you could send people mail on something called the, uh, the, uh, inter- the Internet? You had dial-up connections. You had dial-up connections. You had dial-up connections. So you had an explosive growth injury, growth engine happening right there underneath you. So the S&P 500 should have rallied that much. It's like, you could really take penicillin and stop this infection? I'd invest in that. So we've just invented something called a flushable toilet. I'd invest in that. So you had the internet. The internet. The internet. So the SP 500 is having a glorious year. And it's all tied towards history's going to say monetary policy? Like what? At least it made sense in 2003 with the crash of the stock market recovery. And in 1998, it made sense with the birth of the internet. Blah. Sometimes you have to expunge something to create life. It's the birth of the Internet. It's like having a baby. Hello, little baby. Little baby costs a lot of money. Babies cost a quarter of a million dollars from zero to 17. And people want to have them. It carries on my gene pool. I get to name it after myself. Um, okay. Poor person. So congressional negotiators yesterday came to a budget deal that's going to ease automatic spending cuts by about $60 billion over two years. To reduce the federal deficit by $20 billion to $23 billion, uh, by about 20 to $23 billion. Okay, 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 one more. Okay. So, did I just hear myself correctly? We got a budget deal, and it's December, not January. True that. Good job, Obama. I'm going to go take myself a selfie of myself. I appreciate that. Um, so yesterday, Obama got caught doing a selfie at Nelson Mandela's memorial, which is better than doing a selfie at someone's funeral. That's not even funny. President really commit a funeral faux pas by posing for a selfie. Sec, uh, inside the picture, the first lady looks angry, but clearly she's the first lady. And in reality, you know, uh, these events are long and prolonged. And she was just being stern because they're long events. I've been living it. A stern look doesn't mean disapproval. Danish prime minister, you know, decided he wanted, she wanted a photo of herself smiling with Obama and Cameron. There's no uh, Cameron from United Kingdom. So David Cameron, Prime Minister, Danish Prime Minister, Hallie Thorne Schmidt. Um, it was her smartphone, and she wanted a picture of people smiling, and there's no shame in that. I will say this. I'm of the event that cameras used to be special, and I think selfies are crazy. I think they're out of control. The idea that we used to, as a nation, love privacy. Um, you know, you have fun, you bring a camera to events when you're a kid, you take pictures. 
and now we are the experience and not the experience's experience. We used to like say, wow, take a look at this picture. I saw a, a, a band play, and there's this person, Belinda Carlisle. She's with the Go-Go's. And I have a picture of her. And now Sophie's kind of like, look at me. Look at me. And don't we all hate pictures of ourselves in the first place? Like, I've got a spot on my face now. And I shouldn't say this out loud because it makes me sound incredibly vain. I've got a spot that, like, ooh, that's not good. I look old. That's not good. No. Please, no. Anyway, um, so that was a big story yesterday. MasterCard's going to split its stock 10 for 1. Does that make me want to buy it? Maybe because you're stupid and, whoops, internal editor on. Does that make me want to buy it? No, because all it is is financial engineering. It's the same company, the same valuation, same PE, same price-to-sales ratio. Internal editor off. But stupid people like you will say, ooh, it's splitting 10 for 1 so I can buy 10 times as much as I used to be able to. Internal editor back on. So, no, I don't really want to buy MasterCard based on that. Do I like MasterCard? Yeah. Do I like Visa? Yes. Do I like Amex? Yes. I like them all three. I like them a lot. I like you a lot. Sales of Xbox One, top two million. Uh, okay. There's a great quote out there by Balmer, Steve Balmer, Balmer, where he basically says something in the nature of, you know, Apple made a lot of money, a lot more money than us in the last five years, but we made a lot more money than them in the last 13 years. Um, I didn't hear whatever the producer just said to me. Okay. I'm on Skype. There we go. Anyway, so Balmer says, I've made a lot more money than Apple has in 13 years. They've made a lot more money than I have in the last five years. That's why he has to go. Because that quote's obvious. Uh, I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. We'll take right here. We'll be right back. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Things backing up at the Bay Bridge Toll Plaza. This Bay Area update brought to you by Garmin. It's backed up to the foot of the maze. Metering lights are, of course, on. Seeing some slow traffic from the center anchorage out to Fremont Street. And another patch of slowing as you make your way towards Cesar Chavez because of an earlier accident. In San Martin, northbound 101, slowing between San Martin Avenue and Cox. Stocks are trading lower for a second day from Bloomberg World Headquarters. A black in your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I, 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 I have a love-hate relationship with California. The whole Californication thing. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Pope Francis is Times Person of the Year. I'm not going to make fun of fun of the Pope. I'm just not going to do it. But I will say, how did Edward Snowden, Edward Snowden not get Man of the Year? I don't get that one. Okay, so the Pope is more papal than ever. He's helping the homeless. He's hanging out with kids. He's taking selfies, which, again, if you heard the first segment of the show, I'm against selfies. I want the moment to be the moment. For Time magazine, the Pope was deemed more worthy than several other controversial figures. 
Senator Ted Cruz, Tea Party Republican, whose anti-Obamacare stand on Capitol Hill led to a partial government shutdown. He had some power. Bashir Assad, Syrian president, killed people with a chemical attack, certainly made headlines. Snowden, who fled to China and then to Russia, he blew the whistle on the spying activities on Americans. I don't get that. Um, Julian Assange won, you know, in 2010 for kind of a freakishly similar angle, but Snowden did something, you know, incredibly different. You know, Miley Cyrus has to be considered because she upset so many people with twerking. That's power. When you can upset people with a ridiculous dance move. You know, we didn't get this upset with MC Hammer. Can't touch this. Should have. Didn't it? SP 500 is down 7, Dow down 55, NASDAQ down 15. Let's welcome in Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez is a mortgage lender. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony, fixing your credit. That's something we've all been there, gotten into a late payment. I have one in the last five years. And my story is kind of goofy. It was a mortgage payment that mm-hmm. I sent in the payment. They didn't cash the check. Uh-oh. Then they notify me, and they say, okay, now that you're almost late, send it to this P.O. box. And I thought I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, and that's the worst one to pay late is the mortgage, especially if you're looking at other kind of uh, real estate transactions, because it really hangs on there for quite a while, no matter what your credit score is. It dinged my credit? Yeah. Uh, credit score has the biggest effect on your uh, rate and almost any product that you're going to get, whether it's a credit card, a car loan, or a mortgage. The mortgage, obviously, is going to be the largest expense because you're going to pay that over 30 years, and it can really add up. The difference between a 640 score and a 740 score on a, a traditional type of, of loan is about 1%. On a $400,000 loan, that's $200 a month more that you're spending because you have a lower credit score. So the first thing I would do is get a copy of your credit report. You can go to annualcreditreport.com, or you can go to your creditor, Let's say you're doing a, a transaction of some sort. Hopefully, they'll be able to show you the, the, the credit report. Check for accuracy. Make sure that everything's on there. And if there's some things that you can fix that are easy, try to do it on your own or use that creditor. If they're a lot more difficult, then you could try using some of these invasive credit card companies and they, uh, credit repair companies, and they can range in price from $85 a month to a one-time $2,000, $3,000 fee, depending on how bad it is and how um, what's the necessity of, of how quickly you need it. So What's ironic or what's odd about a credit score is you have to use credit and maintain credit to have a good credit score. Right. There's a lot of misconceptions about how to keep your credit good yeah. and how to improve your credit. I, for instance, grew up as a young man thinking, if I have no credit card debt, they'll love me because I pay off my credit card. Where mm-hmm. a credit card company wants you to carry a balance because that's how they make money. And it's also how the it's part of their algorithms that they use to calculate your actual credit. You have to use your credit cards. The best way to do on a credit card, for example, is to have a balance below thirty um, percent of the limit. So if you have a limit of ten thousand, you want to keep it below three thousand. But you want to keep using it. You, you definitely want to, don't want to pay it off every month. Your credit score will be lower than somebody who actually has ten credit cards they pay on time and keep their balances low. Another way to keep your credit uh, clean is is keep keep accounts open and don't close them but definitely make sure you manage it and they don't get stolen and 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 that brings up another point too you also want to keep 
You want to keep them an open. Eye on your account. Well, before we go there, keeping your credit lines open mm-hmm. ages the account, the well, average years that you've had credit. So if you, you open up a lot of new credit cards, mm-hmm. you're, you've only had credit maybe from five years will go down to one year because you just opened right. five new credit cards. So Correct. All, all those years of, of paying on time just got watered down because you opened up too many new credit cards. Yeah, there's, there's several factors that will affect your credit, um, your lower balances, uh, accuracy, collections, time, new accounts. Uh, there's three bureaus. There's Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And add a .com at the end of each one of those, and you can go and get your own credit report. You can also do disputes. This is when you want to do your fixing your credit on your own. You can do a dispute through that agency or that bureau. Um, or you can use your creditor to do what they call rapid rescores. If you need a really quick transaction and there's something easy, maybe it was a, a mistake on your credit report, you can show up a bill and say, I did really pay this, and you can do a rapid rescore. And sometimes there's a big difference. Like if you're doing a rental property and you're buying an investment property, there's minimum scores you need to meet if you have a certain down payment. And some people need to do these types of rapid rescores. So getting in front of your credit is important. We talked about monitoring your credit. There's some good tools that you use. For instance... Credit Karma is one. Credit Karma? That's an app on a phone? It's an, it's an app, but what it, it, it may not be the most effective tool to managing your, your credit, but it gets you involved. It's, it tells you that all your accounts that are on there, what your balances are, and it also alerts you if, this, if new, new entries come up, new inquiries, and, and new credit. So it's a way that people get involved, and I think that everyone should be involved in their credit because it has such an impact in the, in the financial industry. Good idea. And one last final thought that I want to throw out there is, to improve your credit score, go out and get a credit. You know, go put a thousand dollars on your credit card and start paying it off slowly. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but if you really, really, really want to improve your credit, that's one way of doing it. Show that you could pay on time. We've been talking with Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So, do we talk tapering or are we done with it? There's a strategist with Morgan Stanley who's tired of the taper talk. Whether it happens in December or January, he doesn't care. He says it's not that big of a deal. Everyone knows it's coming, thus it's not a big deal. So what he says we should be talking about... What does he say we should be talking about? He said that investors should stop talking about taper and start talking about potential changes to the rate guidance framework. What matters is whether the Fed combines tapering with a reduction in the unemployment rate threshold or an introduction of a new inflation floor. He thinks that's a bigger risk. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Going to be out and about tonight. Fault Line Brewery. Stay from 3 to 530. Stop by, say hello. Have a beer with me. Tonight, 3 to 530, Fault Line Brewery. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. 
1220 to get your calls in the air. Call the show, unless you're crazy. Like, cuckoo, conspiracy theory guy. Fighter person, you know who you are. Um, lots going on in the world of technology. I heard a cable executive talk yesterday, and one of the things that he said that was pretty interesting was he was almost declaring a battle. CBS CEO, Les Moonves, who's got some pretty big fake teeth. But I'm cool with that. He was almost making a battle out of what cable TV is going to look like, like what cable viewing and DVR viewing is going to look like in the future. Surprisingly, that's a story. Yes or no? You know, I don't think I watch anything in real time except for sports. Do you? Now, we've had this conversation for years. But it feels a little bit more relevant now. Will we watch commercials on TV shows in the future? That's a big story. CBS CEO is predicting ad payment windows for delayed TV viewing. Uh, is he fighting a, a, a battle that no one cares about? Is he fighting a battle that he's doomed to lose? Television, television viewers increasingly watch shows days and weeks after they originally air, and advertisers, yeah, they're not really saying, we want to pay top dollar for the live viewings. But advertisers also are more willing to pay for audience members who watch DVR, video on demand, online streaming. So, let's move this as we're getting closer to getting paid for every eyeball that watches our shows. And, you know, Dish Networks has got the hop that can cut commercials out of your DVR experience, which is pretty surreal if you've ever seen it in uh, real time or in use. So, delayed viewers actually have less premium than live viewers do. And that's mean as saying, like, hey, we could probably push this out 30 days. Moonbags. Less move as he mentioned the recent success of the company's young movie studio, CBS Films, Last Vegas, made $60 million in ticket sales. Inside Lou and Davis, off of Strong Start. And you're like, what? So CBS is getting into films now. That's the angle there. I don't know. I see consolidation in media going forward. I think that's the point of my story. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. And I don't think there's a lot they can do to stop consolidation and focus on growth. SP 500 is down 7 this morning. The Dow is down 55. The Nasdaq is down 15. Welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the big questions that I get via email and, and phone calls on a regular basis, Chad, is lump sum investing. I just inherited $100,000. I just inherited $40,000. And my next question, if it's a chick, is like, you got all your teeth? Like, are you good looking? Like, <laughs> what's your number? What's your number? <laughs> I've actually done that on air, which is pathetic. But um, lump sum investing versus dollar cost averaging, these are two themes of investing. 
I say when you get a lump sum, just invest it because it'll work out over time. What's your thoughts on lump sum investing? Well, most people are already dollar cost averaging through their paycheck, um, okay. their 401k, and dollar cost averaging works when there's, you know, when the market is it has periods where it's trending lower over a year long period, so that you're buying sometimes at a low and sometimes at a high. Um, so. If there's a significant correction and you've got cash to put in, I would just put it in. But if you're doing it and the market's at the higher end of a you know 12 month trading range, then dollar cost average to a point that makes you feel comfortable. The problem that people do when they dollar cost average is they let the motions get involved. So they'll start off and they'll say, I'm going to do X number of dollars per month. And they say, oh, no, the market's too high or I'm going to wait for a correction. And they skip out on their plan. You need to write down your plan on paper and says, I'm going I'm to dollar cost average just cash into a balanced portfolio over six months, 12 months, two years, whatever it may be, something that takes the emotion out of it. Right. It's the emotion that makes it difficult. In a 10-year period, none of it will really matter. It will not matter. It's just how you can avoid getting your emotions involved in investing, and that's usually by a written plan that, that you follow that you don't, you know, you got to stay the course. Your written on. plan is a funny idea because most people remember things the, the way they want to remember them. They'll say things like, oh, I knew to buy Apple when they came out with the iPod, but did they buy Apple? Mm-hmm. A lot of day traders will be like, oh, I knew it was going to move from, you know, 440 to 525 after they reported earnings, but did they do it? And I recommend people, you know, if, if put up or shut up, write it down and give it to your wife. Yeah. If you have a great idea, write it down and give it to your wife. Because, and then when you need that money back, ask for it back from your wife. You can practice on paper is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, and if you look at the last decade, which was tough for investors, the S&P 500 is relatively flat if you don't count dividends. Um, but a balanced portfolio still averaged over 6% over the last 10 years, even with the credit crisis, the real estate bubble, and all that good stuff. Um, so a balanced portfolio will work out over time. And I think the the problem that investors that are coming in with cash or they've been sitting in cash, the problem they deal with is they're only watching stocks. Right. So they, they forget that a balanced portfolio, when the stock market is really rallying, will underperform in the short term, but it will outperform during the 3 out of 10 years that are negative. So 7 out of 10 years are positive, 3 out of 10 are negative. And asset allocation means you're keeping up with the market in the good years and outperforming it in the bad years. So that's what you want. I'm a big fan of dollar cost averaging in the 401k. With If you're going to try to do a trade, then you don't, you don't you, you lump sum it. You know, it's, it all depends on your expectations and your goals. But we preach diversification of equity. Um, so lump summing it doesn't make a lot of sense. At the same time, though, I, you know, I take over um, portfolios... Uh, sometimes large companies yeah. kind of rhyme with Disher, where you see over 100 different stocks. Be careful. That guy can kill you. <laughs> we see over 100 different stocks, and you're like, okay, what's the point of picking 100 different stocks? Yeah. We have 1% position. What if that company does really well? It's not going to make a difference in your portfolio. So when I pick individual stocks, we typically keep 20 to 25 positions yeah. in the portfolio. Do you know why he puts people in 100 different stocks? Because it's impossible to quit them. You're thinking if I quit and I have to sell all these stocks, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. That's why exactly why when I set up my company, we use TD Ameritrade as a brokerage firm, and my yeah. clients get uh, free trades for the first 60 days because yeah. I usually have to go in and fix portfolios because they have way too many positions. They're you know concentrated one t- sector of the market instead of being diversified, and we've got to fix it. So you know trading costs can become expensive if if you've got you know 100 positions or if you've got over 13 mutual funds, you're typically way over diversified. You got too many positions, you can't possibly follow it and have a daytime job. That guy you mentioned name rhymes with Disher. 
I once said on air that his sales force is kind of cheesy and smarmy, young guys who have, you know, cuff links and uh, initials on their shirts and stuff like that. Like these initials right now? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, they're kind of douchey. Like, they're just cheesy guys. He called me. A billionaire calls me, and he's like, I heard you have something negative to say about my company. I'm like, I'm so, 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 so sorry. Please don't kill me. <laughs> I was afraid of him. Uh, no comment. <laughs> no, I'm scared. CFP <laughs> Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. This is going to be interesting to see how Obamacare plays out in 2014. I don't know if you're interested, but I am. 365,000 people have signed up. 1.9 million have registered, but only 365,000 picked a plan. It's far cry from the 7 million projected to enroll for 2014. It's well off. It's Mark. What does it mean? Well, it means that there's going to be a lot of health care out there unassigned. And you can't have a health care program where everyone gets health care or the right to health care unless you get the 20-somethings playing along with the 60-somethings, playing along with the 40-somethings, playing along with the 50-somethings. Um, so I think Obamacare is doomed to fail on some levels in the sense that the penalty for not signing up isn't that bad. Uh, 800-516. It's cheaper to get penalized and not use health care than it is to get health care and not use it. With the high deductibles, you're being discouraged to not use it. It's kind of frustrating on a lot of levels. Like, I almost want to eat my head. SP500 is down 9 today. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 65. The Nasdaq's down 18. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Good luck buying big city real estate next year or forevermore. Um, big city real estate across the United States and really across the world has become not about the investment, not about the covering your costs, but about the I have it and I'll pay more for it than you will, kind of angle. So the FHFA is cutting down the loan limit for its uh, insurance. They insure mortgages that banks give to borrowers from 729000 down to 625000 You're not going to find any place in any big city in America. Well, I'm not going to say you're not going to find any, but it's a little bit tougher than ever with that cut. I, I say good luck. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. Be heart, and he spoke with Bloomberg Television about the mood of the market. So the market may short-term be 2 or 3% overpriced, but next... You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I really, 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 since you don't want me to talk about the Booker Rule, um, Paul Volcker 
was the Federal Reserve Chairman Banker in the United States, which basically every region of the United States has representatives for their banking community. Paul Volcker was six foot seven inches tall. He was a tall dude. I don't like tall dudes. I'm six two. I'm really probably six one, but I'll, I give myself that extra inch because I've shrunk. For whatever reason. Hmm. So big financial crisis hit five years ago. And banks that take your money, I got a paycheck. I'm going to go to the bank and deposit it. They were using your money to trade for their own gain. They were allowed to leverage up to a certain point based off deposits. Crisis hits and people wanted their money from the banks. A couple big banks failed. They bet too much. Bear Stearns, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley. They bet too much, and they, they had to take massive write-offs. They thought they were like, I'm going to go long the dollar, and then the dollar went short. Or, I'm going to go short the dollar, and then the dollar went long. We've all gotten, you know, smoked gambling once or twice in our life, I'd imagine, to the point that we don't like doing it. But they're smarter than us, in theory. It's not a public nicety to talk about it. I think it's a very arduous process that started being unwound under Bill Clinton. Democrat Superman that he was made some mistakes. Two of them were deregulating energy to the point that California suffered rolling blackouts. We love the story of deregulated energy. You don't have to get your energy from PG&E. You can get it from East Coast. You can get it from a nuclear uh, submarine located in the Bay. You can get your energy anywhere you want. But who owns those power lines? We deregulate it without really thinking about it. That increased competition was supposed to be good for the market. Bill Clinton also, champion that he was, deregulated banks, brokers, and insurance companies. Banks were allowed to become brokers, stockbrokers. Stockbrokers were allowed to do insurance. Insurance was allowed to do banking and vice and back and forth. So these rules aren't going to go into effect until 2015. There's a lot of gray areas that can be exploited. And if you've ever really worked in a Wall Street scenario, which I'm assuming you haven't, if you're listening to the show, um, it's going to be really, really tough to properly enforce the rule. You're not talking about a trading blotter that contains two or three trades per day. You're talking about thousands of trades a day. Will it benefit the system? Yeah. It'll make it more stable. Maybe banks will make less money. Banks make less money. Maybe they'll lend a little less. Maybe the premium of owning them will go from 15 times earnings to 12 times earnings or 12 times earnings to 8 times earnings. Banks used to be very, very boring investments. And deregulation made them very, very sexy investments. Vocal rules should help or stop banks from building up outsized positions in securities and derivatives. That can become debilitating losses when markets swoon. It's going to be interesting to see. I don't think a lot of people have thought it through. I haven't thought it through. All I know is what I know, and I'm sharing it with you. Pope Francis wins Times Man of the Year. 
You think he sends that, that cover to his mom? Look, Mom, I'm Times Man of the Year. Or is all Vatican speakers speak? Look, Mom, I'm Times Man of the Year. Ah, I assume all popes sound like the, the Count from Sesame Street. I know you're saying, that doesn't even make sense. I know. It's just the way I was raised in my head. That's what I hear. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and much, much, much more. Um, I don't know. Uh, certainly we have some issues to talk about, right? Let's see, I just got an email. Oh, this was an interesting one. Um, I tune into, the car, into your show every day in the car. I want to know your idea on 529 for my child who's 14 months old. I opened a 529 with Fidelity this year with them with $10,000. And I put it into a Fidelity index. Should I use the Fidelity index or should I change it to something different? I'm going to try to put in this amount every year until he's 18. That's a lot of money. First and foremost, you have to max out your 401k, your 403b, your Roth IRA. If you don't, if you have to, I like Utah's 529 plan and Nevada's 529 plan. They've got lower maintenance costs. They've got better uh, product to pick from that's cheaper. There's a good website called savingforcollege.com, savingforcollege.com. This person emailed me that, and like, what do you think about Fidelity, blah, blah, blah. Most Fidelity products are pretty good products, first and foremost. Not, I can't say that across the board, but I can say that. Um, so he writes back. He says, I'll look into Utah, Nevada. I have a Vanguard Roth IRA that I max out every year, 5500 for 10 years, worth 65000 I don't have a 401k. I'm self-employed with two partners. We're in the beverage distribution business in Santa Clara. Business is now in its seventh year with sales of $3.1 million a year. Take-home is only 70000 because the rest goes back in the company. One partner wants to do a 401k for us and the other one not. We have about $600 each a month to put into an account for a 401k. What or where is a good 401k plan, or should I put it in Twitter? <laughs> um, I'd call Fidelity. If you're a small business, I'd call Fidelity, Vanguard, or TD Ameritrade and say, I'm a small business. I need to know about a SEP IRA. I need to know about a uh, 401k plan for a small business. They'll set you up. Your partner that doesn't want one is ignorant or wealthy, and he's retarding your growth. I would not put $10,000 a year into a student's, into a kid's 529 plan. Just too much. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big event today coming up at the Fault Line Brewery from 3 to 5.30. Find out more at kdow.biz. It's your retirement money. Should- yes, and I want to wish Merry Christmas to my sister, Millie, and her family. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. 
talking all things financial. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Lots to talk about today. Um, Some good stories to debate and, I don't know, everyone's afraid of me. Boo! No one will, will debate me. Obamacare sign-ups hit 365,000. I just honestly don't think it's ever going to really work the way it was intended to work because there's no real major penalty for not signing up. Uh, for years and years and years and years, if you don't sign up, it's not that bad. Staggering, 83% of American home buyers consider a normal rate for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage to be under 5%. That's a stunning statistic. If I'm a mortgage lender, I'm quaking in my boots at that statistic, that thought. Seems the last few years, which the Federal Reserve has depressed interest rates in an offer, in an, uh, an open-ended offer to, you know, try to stimulate lending, it's hurt people's memories of mortgages. Mortgage rates have averaged 6.7% since 1990. The rate for a 30-year mortgage never once dropped below 5% until March 2009, and yet people think that this is here to stay. Cheap cost of mortgages are here to stay. No, it's not going to go that way. But are we addicted to it is the question. I can't quit you. I can't. 5% mortgage, I love you. If you were to ask me, and a lot of people know that I was once married to a model, if you were to ask me, would you take a 4% mortgage or being married to a model? I'm taking the 4% mortgage. I'm, I'm good with that. Now, we all have that question, right? Someone else, ask yourself a question. A 4% mortgage or a 6% mortgage? 6% mortgage is 50% more expensive than a 4% mortgage. It's not statistically, but pretty darn close. When you start amortizing everything. Um, okay, women, you ask yourself a question. Would you take Brad Pitt in $5 million or 4%? Or not $5 million. Let's say Brad Pitt is a husband. Assuming he's not with the frumpy woman that he's with. Assuming that he's a younger Brad Pitt. Like a Thelma Louise Brad Pitt where he's drinking out of a hose. Which, for the record, Thumb and Louise is one of my favorite movies of all time. And let me tell you why. Fantastic movie. Two women who basically give up on men. They decide to get in a car and drive. The car is a convertible. It's kind of got an open cockpit that they sit in. Very representative of women. There's planes that drop fertilizer. like They spew out chemicals on crops. Very masculine image. There's, what are those called? Oil donkeys? Mules. There's the mules pumping oil out of the ground. You know, it goes up and down and up and down. And out comes oil. Very masculine image. The whole movie, like there's an evil trucker that follows them, or that they see numerous times. He's got a big round cylindrical truck. Very masculine image. I know you're saying, did you really study this film that much? I did, actually. I I see things that others don't. Um, In the end, in the end, um, they have a choice to go to jail. And they're like, nope. They have a choice to 
you know, probably get out of their scenario because one of them was, one of them shot a guy who was raping the other. And they drive into the Grand Canyon. They can't live in the world of the truck. They can't live in the world of Brad Pitt drinking out of a hose, which is not a masculine image. They can't live in the world of trains. They, they just can't do it. A speeding train? You don't think that's an image? So they drive into the Grand Canyon, which is a very feminine image. And now you're saying, uh, I'm 25 years old. I don't even know what movie you're talking about. Sorry. Oh, back in the day when movies were original screenplays. So, 800-516-1220. Do you hate me yet? If not, you may. Soon. Um, so we get a new CEO at GM. I find it interesting that people are a flurry with talking about it. She's a woman, which, again, driving masculine cars. Her favorite car is a Corvette. Oh, God, I can't get away from the story, can I? Um, her dad was a dye maker for 39 years. She has worked for GM for over 30 years. She's 51 years old. She's gone from inspecting bumpers, literally, to becoming the CEO of one of the biggest companies in the world. She's a consummate insider, Miss Barra is. Mary T. Barra. Mary Barra. It's almost like a, a bad name, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Barra. Barra. Mary Barra. Don't call me Barra. Barra. It's an industry that's been dominated by men, and she's been able to break into it. She brings extensive experience, and I really, really know that she'll do a good job. But... Wall Street's going to watch to see if she does a good job. And I find that interesting, to say the least. Job openings in the United States climbed in October to the highest level of more than five years, showing employers were looking beyond the budget impasse in Washington amidst growing confidence in the economic expansion. Hey, we got a budget deal. All it needs now is to be approved. And then we're in, like Flynn, and 2014 is going to be all good like butter on top of a biscuit. I know you're saying, I don't do butter. I'm uh, strictly a vegan. You will never, ever, ever have a career in singing. Did I sing? Moon River. California's tax revenue came in about 6% below forecast. Boo! Boo! But it's being blamed on a fluke in the calendar. Wow. Last month, California pulled in $6 billion. Well, that was $375 million under estimates. State spending since July 1st was down $126 million from budget assumptions. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. Overall revenue flow and an improved economy have made the controller of the state. Is his name John Ching? Chiang? Optimistic about the year. Well, that's nice to hear. Glad he's optimistic. Well, I, for one. Oh, did you know there's Congress is toying with a Christmas tree tax? What's weird about it is that they want to tax 15 cents on every fresh-cut Christmas tree. And what they want to do is create a panel to promote Christmas trees. I'm opposed. I'd get rid of it. Christmas trees have bad PR. You know, we need this thing called oxygen, which trees produce. And we chop down said tree. And we idolize it, and we adore it, and we put presents under it. I chopped down a tree. I'm a man. Um, 
so when you chop down a tree, you're like, oh, it's a farm. How cute. And you're like, American farmers are good. So put in an assessment, which is another word for a tax. We already do it with beef and with dairy. Like, milk does the body good. Uh, You see that commercial because we tax milk. So that you get a positive PR spin on it. I can't make this stuff up. Boo! A Christmas tree tax. Congress wants to do it. To promote local farms. Good cutting down trees. Not bad. Fake trees, bad. I'm Ron Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. AM or the Bay Area's business leader. AM 1220 KDOW. The Dow dropped 56 points, a third of a percent. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, invested in more. I own shares of Apple. I don't apologize for that. I just tell you that I do. Legally, I have to disclose companies that I talk about, especially when I say positive things about them. It's very important that you know the relationship. There's a lot of people in financial media who don't disclose relationships. There's a lot of people in the financial world that don't. Now, I live in an area that we have a community Facebook page. We have a community website where last night there was a fire and the alert goes out. Hey, you may want to welcome a new neighbor on your street. They just moved in it. Tutu, blah, 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 blah. And you go and say, hi, hi, neighbor. I like, I, I believe in community. I really do. I may sound like a jerk. I'm not. In real life, I'm a pussycat. Um, where does this go? Where does this go? Oh, so someone was posting on that neighborhood watch thing. Hey, come meet me at a winery. I'll tell you why, you know, uh, you should be really careful with your money this year and, and consider, you know, other ways of, of using your money. And basically what the guy is is a slimy insurance guy with a Ameriprise who just wants to put you in product that gives him a big commission. Now, he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. He doesn't understand how the system works. He doesn't understand the other side of the, the system. I do. So I own shares of Apple. We'll talk a little Apple. Maybe next hour. I know. You're saying, you're on now for three hours? Eh, I just talk outside my studio. It's got a little valuation. It's one thing I like about it. E-commerce, China, cash, buyouts, buybacks, dividends. Kids love Apple. Expectations. Those are most of the reasons why I like Apple. SP 500 down 8. Dow down 50. NASDAQ down 19. Welcome in to A Moment with Shakespeare. Macbeth once said, to get points or not to get points? Okay, so that's not true. But that's a question that people have. To be or not to be, another question they have is, should I buy points when I get a mortgage? When I get a loan, should I pay money to get a lower cost loan? I mean, that almost sounds like a scam. That almost sounds too good to be true. It's an odd concept that you have to pay to lower your rate. Points, paying for points. Pay, uh, point is equal to a percentage of your loan amount. So if you're paying one point, that's 1%. If it's $400,000 loan, that's $4,000 extra. So if, But if paying that point drops your rate, 
by a quarter percent, and you save $150 a month, divide 4000 by 150 and that's how many months it takes for you to recoup those costs. So if you keep it longer than that, those months, let's say it's 33 months, and you plan on keeping that house for seven years, 84 months, you're going to benefit every month after that. So it's an investment into your loan. Um, a lot of people use uh, points when rates are going up or if it's in a purchase and the seller is giving them some concessions because on a purchase, all of your costs are out of your pocket, the down payment plus your closing costs. So the best way to get some additional costs is either from the rate, which is the opposite of paying points, or from the seller. So if the seller is giving you some concessions in cash, you can use that to pay points, which pays off over the long term. So somebody else is paying you you for having a lower rate. I recently got an email from someone who was going through a refi, and he says, I've never paid points. And that was interesting because I was like, I've always paid points. And I, I look at it as buying them. It's buying a cheaper loan. And if I'm going to be in the house or I'm going to have a rental for more than two, three years, typically the math is going to work out that it's worth it, especially in low interest rate environments. So if you're getting lower interest rates. Right. And the people who don't pay points are actually at a higher rate than if they actually paid some costs. So this brings me to um, my issue I have with banks and other kinds of brokers and bankers that don't give options out. They're looking at the mass amount of people out there looking to refinance or purchase a house and saying, oh, we're going to give you low costs. In reality, they may not be doing the right service to this borrower when they should have paid a point, and it would have saved them money on a longer term. So they're not really qualifying. They're looking at those emotions, of, uh, and they're looking at, at a formula that says if we advertise this, we're going to get more return on our uh, on our clients. So make sure that when you do look at a loan, look at all of the options. As a matter of fact, the new rules that came out last year make brokers uh, explain that if you paid points, this would be your lowest rate. If you don't pay points, this is the rate. And by the way, I'm choosing this rate. So it's called a, it's part of the anti-steering rule where we're not steering you into a product that's making you, us more money and costing you more money. So be very careful about somebody who says no points. That also means you're taking a higher rate. I always find it um, intimidating, the process of getting a loan, because at some point in time, you look at the cost you look at how much you're borrowing. You're looking at how long it's going to take to pay off. So I, that's the area that I think most people talk themselves out of points. And I really, really want people to run both the scenarios. Uh, because, yes, when you look at that, that final sheet of how much stuff costs and how many pieces of paper you're going to have to sign, you know, I've paid attorneys to sign for me because I don't like mortgages, mortgage paperwork that much. I'm just like, you go sign for me. Um, you get it done. Um, well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is don't get intimidated by the process and know that points generally, in my opinion, are a good thing to consider. Uh, if you think you're going to be moving the next year or two, no. But then again, if you think you're going to be moving the next year or two, a 30-year mortgage isn't appropriate for you either. Right, and you could do the same thing by getting an arm, uh, like a five-year arm. If you're going to leave in two years, get a five-year arm or a three-year arm, you're going to get a lower rate to begin with and then do a no point, and your rate's lower as if you were to pay points on a 30-year. So but that freaks people out because what if I can't sell the property in three to five years on the arm and I can't refinance, and I can't, and the rates go, right. like, oh the, rate, oh, the rates went higher. I'd be like, people freak out. Yep. And, uh, we're all going to die. <laughs> Earth is going to go hurtling in the sun at some point in time, and I just don't think life Aren't is. we getting closer to the sun every year? I, now you're freaking me out. You're listening to Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Barca. I know you're saying my God, this man is genius. He just said the word bark. What's barka mean? Bark is short for Barcelona. 
Soccer. Messi. International. $3 billion company. Just signed a $25 million deal with Intel for five years. $5 million a year for five years is $25 million. I knew my multiple tables, multiple, multiple multiplication tables. I know more than one. That grid used to mess me up. You do one through nine on the top, one through nine on the bottom. I think that was third grade? No, no. I think that's fourth grade. Now they're teaching multiplication tables in kindergarten. Anyway, um, tonight, today, I'm going to be at Faultline Brewery, supporting local business. It makes fresh handcrafted beer. Uh, Fault Library, just hang it out. If you want to bring a copy of your portfolio and leave with me, you can. You can come by today, 3 to 5.30, Fault Library. If it's a big crowd, try to find me. I'll be wearing pants. Find me at Fault Library today from 3 to 5.30 on the peninsula. I'm Rob Black. costs half as much as what you're paying for it now. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Apple and Microsoft just announced a merger. I kid, I kid. But aren't they kind of big, bloated tech companies that have low valuations compared to Salesforce.com, Amazon.com, and other companies that are getting a richer valuation? Joining me now, Dr. Jeffrey Rosen, Briefing.com, Chief Economist, and much, much more. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Good. How about yourself? Did you believe me for a second that Microsoft and Apple merged? No. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, With that said, do you make anything of... What once was sexy is now boring. Microsoft once was a sexy company. Apple is once a sexy company. Now they got old man, boring valuations tied towards them. Well, I, I don't know. As long as the company is still producing and you're still getting a dividend, I think that it's a, you know, overall it's a fine deal. You know, the fact that you're, yeah, you know, and I'm a boring economist, remember, but the fact that yes. you're not seeing. You know, sizable gains in the share price doesn't make the investment uh, that bad. We need Will Ferrell to play an economist to bring <laughs> sexy back to the economy. So you can talk about your mini fine leather bound books. You look like a succulent baby lamb. Um, <laughs> with that said, Dr. Jeffers, let's talk some stories on Wall Street because there's plenty. What do you think take about the budget deal adding clearly to our economy in a time where I guess the Democrats are kind of like got their tail between their legs with Obamacare kind of not rolling out like they wanted it to. Um, I, mean, I think it's an overplayed uh, analysis. I mean, yes, it's better than what the sequester originally said, but we're not talking, you know, a huge move in fiscal stimulus. And you're still having stuff that, uh, you know, even conservative think tanks uh, believe should be done, like the extension of uh, the emergency unemployment benefits that are clearly not going to be um, extended next year. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk that things aren't going to be as much of a fiscal drag next year, which is true, but it's still, you know, a minor fiscal drag. I mean, there's no way around that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that. Long-term 
unemployment claims not being extended. On one hand, it helps the economy to give people money, saying you're unemployed, you're a good person, here's some money. On the other hand, it's taxpayer money. What do you make of not extending the long-term unemployment? It's a tough, tough situation. And the question is, why are the long-term unemployed unemployed? Are they, you know, simply just collecting money because they're not wanting to find a job and they're doing the, you know, the littlest effort they possibly could so that they make sure that they still have their unemployment benefits but not, uh, you know, take gainful employment? Or is it because of a, a problem known as hystericis where the long-term unemployed can't get work because they're long-term employed and, you know, there, there's some sort of, you know, skills deterioration or, you know, just some sort of prejudice against, you know, someone that's been out of work for longer than 27 weeks and they can't find a job and no one's willing to hire them. And if that's the case, then the removal of the unemployment insurance is going to be, you know, pretty detrimental to uh, these workers. They not only can't find jobs, but they're not going to have any income source. And the question is, which is more relevant, which is more likely? And um, more and more I, I read, it seems to me that it's more of uh you know, if you're long-term unemployed, you just can't find a job. It's not that they don't want a job, uh, and and that means it's going to be an economic, uh, you know, problem. The fact that you're removing these these unemployment insurance. Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rose and Briefing.com, do you have any comment on what happened last week with a lot of strikes against uh, fast food companies for a livable wage? I made a point on my television show that a lot of fast food places are franchisees and not you know it's not mcdonald's it's not the company making six billion it's the local guy and his wife and his kids who basically have that franchise that they can't pay 15 dollars an hour um and yet i got hate mail because i said that uh any comment on livable wages and fast food it's a double-edged sword i mean the theoretical research says you raise a minimum wage and you know if you could only pay x amount of dollars in labor um, without increasing the price of the good that you're selling, then you're going to have less labor because you just can't afford to continue paying that. So, you know, the theoretical argument then is you're going to have higher unemployment, which is worse for the aggregate than, you know, for the individual. Yet, on the flip side, you know, you're seeing more and more research that's saying that some of these companies are making larger profits so they could obtain uh, this amount of labor or just reduce labor minimally and increase the wages. And I, I don't know which one's right. I, I think um, in likelihood you're going to end up with more unemployment and in the aggregate you're going to have worse off. The question is, you know, it's more of a social respect. I mean, I wrote a piece you know, about a month or so ago talking about how you know, all these workers at, you know, Walmart, McDonald's, those type of companies are receiving public assistance. So they're, in fact, not receiving, you know, the minimum wage of what the company is paying, but they're also receiving, a, you know, a subsidy that the taxpayer is paying on top of that. And is it fair for, you know, the average U.S. citizen to be paying the subsidy that uh, allows Walmart and, and McDonald's and other companies that are, uh, employing large amounts of minimum wage um, workers to receive, you know, and that I think is the is the bigger question. And I think that, you know, if you can somehow change the fact that the subsidy is being paid by you know me and I don't use the service to the company that's using the service, I think it'll be better off for everybody. Should we just shut down McDonald's? 
No, I think that you need to. Uh, you do, know, we, at least do we have too many McDonald's? Paying, yeah, make sure they're paying their fair share in terms of, you know, what they're getting based on, uh, you know, on these these implicit subsidies. You know, it's not necessarily the minimum wage. It's the fact that, you know, the U.S. has a standard of, of living of what they state the, you know, the poor person can or the, the low wage earner can yield. And, you know, this isn't right. You know, I shouldn't be paying for a subsidy for a service that I don't use. That's the libertarian argument. Well, that's what's going on right now. Pretty good article yesterday in the New York Times about the ability to wait to raise minimum wage the tools just aren't there in our society anymore it wipes out winners it it creates losers pretty interesting article that poverty is at a two decade high in the united states do you make anything of the have and the have not argument that's being debated in media pretty aggressively right now well there's a clear link right now that at least they found you know it's, it's pretty good economic evidence is, is probably the best way of saying it that it's much more difficult today to go from the bottom earner to a top earner meaning to move up in uh, in, in the economy to move out of poverty into middle class has become more difficult the question is why has that become more difficult you know is it because there are you know, tax breaks and other stuff that the government is implicitly doing that is allowing, uh, you know, the rich to stay rich and the poor to stay poor, or is it, you know, some sort of human constraints? You know, is it uh, workers don't want to obtain the necessary education that you need to do to go, you know, beyond your means to to extend uh, your income levels and move out of poverty? Uh, until that is more secure, you're going to have a difficult time, you know, understanding what inequality is and, and what, um, you know, what can be done to make things better. And simply increasing the minimum wage is unlikely to do that. Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com, great website, lots of insight. I'm not an economist, but I dig picking your brain. Give me something that you're working on right now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, that I, I failed to ask. Well, I mean, right now we're getting some information year-end that's uh, kind of important. It's not that the data can be used right now, but it's it's stuff that I want to, you know, try to, to verify and, call, and create trends for next year. And the biggest one was the um, data from the Labor Department that came out uh, on the 10th that uh, basically counted up how many firms there are in the United States and then puts out um, the sizes. And what you want to do now is try to find out how uh, firms are transitioning from small firms, one to 50 you know, people, to medium size, 50 to 100 or, or even a little bit larger than that, to get an idea to see if Obamacare really is uh, keeping employment levels uh, down because you know, firms don't want to move from the 49 to 50 because they don't want to have to pay for, for health care. So we're finally getting some information on 2013, and we're going to have to, you know, utilize that next year and uh, come up with, you know, some kind of model if we can f figure out if, you know, there really was a, a hit to employment or a hit to, to business transactions. And, and right now, you know, there is no linkage. We can't create that model yet. So it's, uh, that, it's interesting, but it's long-term projections. Quick question for you. I got a call yesterday, Dr. Jeff Rosen. Um, Someone basically in love with the theory that the Federal Reserve is a puppet of the White House. Do you have any thought on that? And you could just—it could be a quick answer, it could be a, a long answer. 
Um, I think they're independent. I don't think the White House can say or do anything that's going to uh, affect monetary policy. I think they, uh, you know, the, the president gets to choose a, you know, a chairman every six years or so, or four years. I, I don't remember the uh, the, the term limits. But well, certainly you're not up for that position. Yeah, no, 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 no I don't want to be up for that position. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, they do what they choose, and I think they do it based on sound economic work. I don't think the you know president is saying or the administration is saying do this, and definitely Congress is trying to you know Thanks. influence their decisions, and you're not getting that either. Dr. Jeff Rosen, briefing.com, chief economist. AM twelve twenty K. The Good Life. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Been wondering if your heart's still open, and if so, I want to know what time it should simmer down on poker Not a lot of definition on Wall Street right now. MasterCard, wow, it's shareholder base, the news of 10 for 1 stock split. An increase of its dividend by 83%, a $3.5 billion buyback. That's a pretty good hat trick. Costco, their shares have been a little less excitable. Um, they came up short of consensus expectations. Everyone should have a Costco membership if you buy things like paper towels and toilet paper. If you happen to steal them from work, then probably you don't need a Costco membership. Cisco was started with a sell rating at Citigroup. This is a company that once was beloved. Now it is a company where we want John Chambers to leave. We want to see what it does in the hands of somebody else. Because it is no longer beloved. New CEO of GM is Mary Barra. She's 51 years old. She's been working at the company since 18. A true insider. Spotify secured an exclusive deal with Led Zeppelin. Can I get excited by that? No. No. It's cute, though. You know, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that's the best story of the day. You can now listen to your Spotify device on multiple sources. Um, your playlist for free. On any device. There's some music in my headphones. That has to be on my end. Huh. Oh, a little Led Zeppelin. I thought that was heart. I'm out of touch. Okay, we could drop Led Zeppelin. I don't think anyone's going to go, Oh my God, a band from when I was three years old can now be heard for free on Led, on Spotify. You'll be able to shuffle through entire catalogs of any artist, create playlists on your phones. It's a free mobile streaming. will be ad-supported just like on its desktops. Daniel Eck revealed that users can now stream Led Zeppelin. I think the story here is that 
Good God, aren't there a lot of music services out there? What was interesting about Spotify, you might remember, they made a deal with uh, Metallica not too many years ago. It was an exclusive deal. And one of the board members of Spotify is uh, Sean. Sean, help me here. Help me here. Sean, 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 Sean. Uh, the guy who... Uh, no, no, not P. Diddy. Uh, oh, good, now i got to look it up. The guy who did Napster. Sean, someone help me. I'm, I'm sinking here. Uh, Sean Fanning? No, it's Sean Parker. There we go. Wait, sweet! I pulled it off. I pulled it off. Thank you, Mr. Google. So, um, there's just a lot of music services, aren't there? I think so. California is trying to win the Boeing 777 jet program, which got shut down in the Pacific Northwest because unions didn't like the deal. Now, Southern California lawmakers, they're reeling because uh, California lost the C-17 Globemaster three cargo jet plane. Uh, so they're doing what they can to like, try to find another Boeing product to sell because they've got the skill set of workers in Southern California. Mr. Grit. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. That's about as much as their national anthem that I know. You great and noble and ruled by a queen. America will take you over in 15 seconds for your oil, for your beer, and the women we will plunder. Um, so Canada, they're going to end home delivery <laughs> of, of mail? That makes me want to move to Canada. Like, doesn't that make sense to have community mailboxes versus home delivery? Uh, Yes. But little old granny can't possibly leave her house, so America won't do it. I hate you, little old granny. You ruin everything for me. You hate me. Uh, a company called Sightrix um, had some positive uh, test results on a cancer drug. The name of the drug, which I can't even come close to pronouncing, Aldozorubicin. Not bad, huh? I've tried to do that drunk. No, no. Cancer treatment, aldozorubicin? Good God, I can say it. They should better progression-free survival rates for patients using the medication versus older drugs. So they're in phase two of a study. Basically, a confined, in a confined period of time, the cancer didn't spread in 67% of patients uh, versus other drugs. That's pretty good numbers. Odds are that you'll live longer with this drug. I don't know how much it costs. I don't know anything about it. Stock's up big today. 75%. What's weird is it's not even close to its all-time high because it got super speculative. All this work on cancer drugs, raise your hand. Doesn't it make you kind of want to start smoking? Come on, seriously. A little bit? A little bit? Like, they'll find a cure before you go? A little bit? Like, you could look cool smoking a cigarette? Come on, a little bit? A little bit? Or if you think cigarettes are unattractive and uh, bad mojo. How about, doesn't it make you kind of want to drink a diet soda? Seriously, a, a Coca-Cola diet Coke? Seriously, seriously. You know it's going to cause cancer, but seriously, knowing that someone's going to cure cancer or, or slow cancer? I know, you're saying, probably the two uncoolest things you've ever said, Rob. My mom 
drinks Diet Coke and smokes cigarettes. <laughs> right? My mom's not, doesn't drink Diet Coke and smoke cigarettes. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm backing out of the show as quickly as I can. Um, it was nice. I will be today at Fault Line Brewery from 3 to 5.30. Come out, meet me, bring a portfolio. More information at kdow.biz. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.